begin. Today is Tuesday, October 25th, and Alex O will be our speaker today. Um, Alex hails from Cornwell, if I'm correct, though I've been off on everything else about Alex today, so I apologize if I screwed that up. Yes, is from Cornwall and now lives in West Cornwall. Please, Alex, I'll shut up now and you can share. Hi, everyone. Hiya. My name's Alex, and I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic, and restrictor, very gratefully recovering one day at a time. Um, it's amazing to be invited to share, and recovery from relapse is something that I know a bit about. Relapse has very much been part of my journey in OA. I started, I first discovered OA, came to OA, in March 1999, so I've kicked around OA for a long time, and I've had some really amazing recovery. Uh, I would love to say that it's been an upward trajectory for all that time, but it hasn't. I would be completely dishonest. And when I came into OA, everything was a mess. Physically, um, I was about 20 stone, so that's 280 pounds big, um, not very tall, I'm only five foot four. Um, and I was eating constantly. I was utterly miserable. I was practically a shut-in, didn't go out very much, didn't know many people, relied utterly on my husband, um, had seen lots of counsellors, knew there was lots of problems, had a lot of emotional baggage, and I couldn't stop eating. And food for me was a wonderful anaesthetic and it had been for a long time. I don't want to go too much down the, the sort of um, the history route because uh, I can chase my tail on that one. That doesn't really get me anywhere. And uh, a very wise counsellor gave me a post-it note with a contact number on it for OA. And I went along and I kept going back. And I did some literature service. We used to have a washing powder box, big washing powder box with all the literature in it. And I took that on because I knew that would get me going back. And it did. It was terrifying. Uh, I wanted I wanted it, but I didn't want the God stuff. The God stuff just that terrified me. I was brought up in a religious family and I had to unlearn a lot of stuff. And that took a long time. And the only way I could get my head around the God stuff was to go out and literally walk and pound the pathways where I live. That was the only place that was kind of big enough and spacey enough to learn all that stuff. And bit by bit, I began to get well. Um, and it took a long time. I discovered slowly what abstinence meant at that time. Abstinence for me has changed over the years. And uh, this is a bit of a potted history, really. But I worked the steps and step four, step five. I can I, I can feel it in here, the power, the power that that first step four and step five had. It was massive, like for a lot of us, our first step four is huge. It's all the stuff, all the stuff that we lug around. And that one was it was huge. And I did step four and step five kind of together. I do a big chunk of step four and I'd give it away in step five to my sponsor. And when I finished my, did the last bit, my step five, I don't know if the sun was shining, but it felt like I walked out of the place, her studio, where we did this step five and out into the sun. And I felt light and I felt free. 
And in that respect, all that stuff was given away. Um, and I kept working it, kept working the program, kept working the steps, the higher power stuff that began to make sense as well. Sort of. And I'll get to why it was sort of in a minute. Um, and as the years, the years went by, I had amazing things happen. I had a daughter and I'd been convinced that I was never, ever going to have kids. Um, and I had this amazing baby. And she put a rocket under my life in the most fantastic way. Um, and bit by bit, bits of the programme began to slip away uh, through parenthood. It just began to fall away. And I'd always been quite sneaky with my abstinence. I'd always kind of thought, well, I can just kind of switch it off for a bit and then switch it back on for a bit. And I was, I don't know, I kind of, I got away with that for a little bit, switching it on and off. And bit by bit, I couldn't switch it on anymore. Uh, and I, quite a few years ago now, about 12 years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And the first Crohn's flare gave me a huge, huge flare up, massive weight loss. It was very unpleasant. But that sick part of me was kind of, oh, great, this is great. The weight's fallen off. It's like a shortcut to weight loss. It was the thing I'd always wanted. Be careful what you wish for. Um, and what nobody tells you when you're very overweight, and I wasn't at that point, you know, when I got Crohn's, I was a reasonably sort of, I'd had a very slow, steady weight loss through abstinence, good recovery, lots of emotional recovery, spiritual recovery. But that was, but it didn't mean anything compared to, hey, I'm thin now. I'm thin and do what I want, do whatever I want now. And that's pretty much what I did. Uh, I thought, well, I can eat what I want. I can do what I want. Um, and this, this disease of compulsive overeating is so sneaky because I didn't start off as a bulimic. I started off as a compulsive overeater. And it turns out I'm a really good bulimic as well because I was terrified of putting weight back on. And rather than saying, well, okay, that's eye-opening. Um, bulimia was compulsive overeating and carrying a huge amount of weight. It slammed me against a wall in a very slow, quiet, utterly miserable way. Um, bulimia was different. That was like being picked up by the front of my shirt and slammed against a wall. And I just couldn't leave it alone. I would be abstinent for that magic number, 30 days. And then I'd think, oh, I've lost some weight. I'll go back to it again. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. This is a very potted history. Uh, was dipping into a few meetings, not doing a lot, paying lip service to it. Uh, really not working a programme. Um, and in 2021, uh, January 2021, I lost my dad. And we knew uh, he'd been ill for quite a long time. Um, and the grief of that was appalling, appalling. Um, and that's when relapse really, really stepped up a notch. I dipped out of recovery completely. Uh, bulimia was kicking off big time and I was clearing my parents' house. I was on my own in Cornwall, utterly miserable. Uh, not a lot of, no food in the house, but there was a box of something. And I thought, right, 
I'm going for that. And I did. And I think that was probably as dark and as low as rock bottom has ever got. Um, and I think as compulsive overeaters or addicts generally, we can be really clever and we can kind of bump along the bottom and we can bump up a few inches off the bottom, never quite allowing ourselves to hit that rock bottom. But I did then. That was as deep and as dark and as miserable and as lonely as I think I've ever got. And I find a friend um, in the fellowship. I just realised this is really funny. I haven't started my time. <laughs> um, and she recommended a meeting, an online meeting, uh, the early bird meeting. And I think there's a few faces here and a few names that I recognise from the early bird meeting. And this was in May 2021. And I felt I had nothing to lose. And I went to the early bird meeting uh, at the end of May. And it's it's a good one, actually. And I am a bit of an early bird. I like mornings. And it's seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and what struck me about this meeting was just how gentle it was. And that's going to be kind of key. This is key to my recovery from relapse was the gentleness of it. And by gentleness, I don't mean excuses or indulgence. It was just gentle. It was really gentle. There were a lot of really beautiful accents. There was a kind of soft Scottish and Irish accents. And I introduced myself and I said, hi, I'm Alex. Uh, and then the next day I introduced myself again. I'm a newcomer, returner, and I've got one day, I've got one precious day of abstinence. And I had, I had one precious day. And I got that precious day from being at that meeting and I found some hope. I found a bit of hope there. And a lady in the meeting who was leading the meeting with this lovely soft accent said, that's all any of us have got. That's all any of us have got one day at a time, one precious day. And that's where my recovery from relapse began. Uh, had a sponsor, I've got a sponsor, um, who I love dearly. She's like a rock. She's um, a Scottish lady and she's like a little terrier. She's amazing with a Glasgow accent. Um, and one of the things she drums into me is gentleness. Got to be gentle with yourself. Because I think any addict, any anyone, any anyone who's in the food, it is brutal. Food is brutal. Um, it picks us up. It throws us around. It's the most isolating and miserable place. It's so readily available. It's so pernicious. Um, and it's very, very difficult to stop. It's so hard. But one day at a time, and, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm kind of an evangelist for the early bird meeting, but that for me was where, where some really good recovery um, has manifested. And I had to think about, and, and the steps again, and going back to step one, and one of the things I had to really accept with step one was not only my powerlessness over food, but my inability to, I could not affect my weight through food. I'd always, I'd been kind of kidding myself about that for years. And it was the first time that I had abstinence without furtherance of weight loss. It was abstinence for its own sake. And I know I had to accept that I cannot have food and higher power. I can't have both. Um, 
and I had got so desperate that that was okay one day at a time um so I went through the steps again not I'm not going to say that my step four step five was not as important this time but my step three was step three was very very different this time because I'd had a kind of good enough oh that'll do that higher power is kind of good enough that'll that'll do this was much more fundamental and much more of a commitment to really earnestly seek what my higher powers will might be for me and the power to do that and for me a higher power is something that kind of it's going to sound really funny it's not a big thing my higher power is kind of a little thing that i can keep in my pocket and my higher power will manifest through people uh quite often through people and things things i find in people sometimes also <laughs> sounds really funny walking walking's another one uh, another another higher power manifestation through walking is um a friend of me said well it's no surprise that god is dog backwards and that's so true um going out walking with my dogs it's a physical meditation a connection to my higher power um and it's very good for my mental health as well and one of the things that has come from recovery this time round is i don't know if it's an unwillingness it's it's much more neutral than that is that neutrality around food food and weight i don't weigh myself anymore i don't go there because being um compulsive overeater bulimic and restrictor i kind of ping around that triangle so if i try and restrict to affect my weight i'll ping into overeating and i'll ping into purging Overexercising was another purging of mine and it just gave me carte blanche to eat as much as I wanted uh, and I do the kind of the mental gymnastics of calories so I don't do that either um, I have to I have to walk quite a narrow path um, but another thing that's come from recovery this time around is those things that I would have framed as being narrow or difficult or thumb screws are actually they're all really gentle um, a narrow path is a safe path. It's a comfortable path. Um, nothing hardcore about it. It's all gentle. Um, I don't beat myself up anymore. Not about anything. I still do. That's a lie, by the way, because I still do, because that's my default. But recovery is not one of those things. I don't work a perfect program by any means, and that's absolutely fine, because perfectionism uh, for me is completely paralyzing. If I, if I try and do something perfectly, I won't bother. I won't do it at all. Um, service has been really important uh, to my recovery from relapse. It has been, I would say it's been fundamental, actually. Um, I go to a meeting every day, every morning, even if I can't show my face, you know, if I'm going to work, I get to that meeting every day. Uh, and it's very important. And I do service there as often as I can. That's uh, 15. You, thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. I went really quickly. Um, I do some sort of, I really like behind the scenes clicky button service. Um, I do screen sharing and I do security, that kind of stuff, admin -y type stuff on WhatsApp. I really enjoy it because it means 
it's so true that, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear when I'm doing service. I really enjoy it. And it's a way of the early bird meeting is quite a big meeting, um, a bit like this one. We'll be up 160, 170 people sometimes. And it's a really lovely feeling that doing a bit of hosting is you're just gently taking care of people. It's you're not a bouncer or a kind of you know door person you're just kind of taking care of people and that makes me feel very useful feeling useful is great i do more outreach than i used to um sometimes you'll get a message on a whatsapp group and it's almost like you're kind of picking it out of the air you know these these requests for outreach you just kind of pick them out in the air have a chat with people um maybe give a bit of experience strength and hope if i'm lucky and i always get something back they're always a real god job, those um those outreach calls, something, something that I need to hear, I hear. Um that's always really important. Step tens are important. Um, because I know that grouch and that brainstorm are the dubious luxuries of normal men. Sadly. I'd love to indulge the red mist. Uh but I can't, I can't sit with it and I can't eat on it. So I have to, I have to step 10 it. Prayer is an interesting one. Prayer, a bit like saying about higher power that goes in my pocket. Prayer is something that's quite informal. I prayed before this meeting. I did the fear prayer, almost like a mantra, because I was really nervous. I was being really sly. Thinking, oh God, maybe I could pretend I couldn't get on the meeting that my internet went kaput or something. But it's all fine. It's really good to be here. Um, and recovery from relapse for me has been very much forget about the weight. Just don't go there. Just one day at a time. Three meals, no alcoholic foods. I don't have grey foods anymore. I've got black and white foods. I've had to keep it that clean. There's certain things that I simply can't have one day at a time because they will kick off that craving in me. And I'm a goner. As soon as I even think about going to that place, I'm gone. I, I don't have, I can't control that. So I know I don't go there. Um, Grey areas aren't safe for me or orange foods. I know they are for some people, but for me, they're not. I can't do that. Um, and I have three meals a day, nothing in between. And that works for me. And I don't get hungry these days. I do. I do weigh and measure. I'm not obsessive about it, uh, but I do weigh and measure my food. And again, it's a fairly gentle, narrow path there. Uh, but I also have to be very aware if I'm starting to kid myself or if something's slotted in or if something's getting a bit too important. Just trying to think if there's anything else I need to chuck in there. But one of the lovely things about this recovery for today is it feels beautifully ordinary. It doesn't feel like I'm a star or I've had significant weight loss or it's not showy. It's not showy. It's very, it's ordinary. And ordinary is really good. Ordinary is good for me. I don't need big, dramatic, big ego stuff. I just need the stuff that can tick along every day, one day at a time. Um, because that's why I'll keep doing it. I can't do big ups and downs and roller coasters anymore. I need it to just be neutral, just kind of tick along. And I'm grateful for that, I'm grateful for the ordinariness of that. 
some fairly miraculous thing. I haven't been very well recently and I've been off work uh, and I would have used that as an excuse to eat my way through the last month. Uh, and I haven't done, I've been abstinent and I've stepped up and done some sensible things and contacted work and done all the grown up adult things that um, I think we're meant to do when we're well. And it does feel like I am, we are, um, I'm becoming the person that perhaps I was meant to be when food doesn't get in the way and I've got a higher power and I'm listening to that higher power and not fighting all the time. Uh, I think I'm probably going to leave it there because uh, anything else is just going to be kind of uh, jibber-jabber. Um, I made some notes, but there's no shame. That was really important. Actually, that is really important. When I went back to that meeting, no one made me feel ashamed. I didn't feel ashamed of being in relapse because that's what happens sometimes. Uh, and I wasn't going to kick myself for being in relapse because it was and it has been part of my journey. But not today. But it's brilliant to come and talk to you. Thanks ever so much and to share this amongst you. Um, and I'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Alex, for such a beautiful share. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, it made me think of a part of um, the big book that I'm going to read real quick. Uh, it's chapter three, more about alcoholism, page 30. Um, I, I have renamed that because somebody suggested more about relapse. Um, and this is the second paragraph on page 30. We learned that we had fully conceived we, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers for control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in a group of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period of time, we get worse, never better. Uh, thank you again, Alex, for just uh, a beautiful qualification and share. I so related. <laughs>